The next day, John the baptizer saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John continued to testify, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who was with him that day, one of the, one of the, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Here ends the reading. I'm going to do something unusual for me today. I'm going to stay in the pulpit because my, this microphone that I'm wearing is kind of doing some funny things. So um, I guess, you know, when, when things decide to go a little bit sideways, we might as well just let it all go that way and we'll just roll with uh, whatever's happening. Um. <clears throat> One of the questions that I think we all ask of ourselves at different times in our lives is, who am I? What is my identity? How do I understand who I am in relationship to the world and to culture and to society? And what we know about human development, what we can discern is that a lot of our identity often gets shaped at a very early age when we don't have much to do with it. The luck or the spirit or whoever determines where we are born and when we are born makes a big difference in what our identity might be, especially early on. Those, those first few years are really crucial. We know, especially even in those first few days, that a baby that does not bond with another human being will stop crying, will turn to the side of the crib, will stop eating, and will die because it is not bonded with another human. It has not felt love or care in that way. <clears throat> and so depending on how someone is raised in those early years, it can really influence our identity, what we believe we can do, what we believe we can't do. 
also genetics, has some play in our identity. We might think that we're the greatest basketball player in the world, but in terms of the eyes of the world, in terms of success in the world, there aren't that many five-foot-tall NBA or WNBA basketball players. It's just not in the genetics. You need to have that size and that strength in order to be successful. And so whether you think you're the best one in terms of your identity, it may not be what you're able to do. So all of these things, and it's complicated, we know. And, and, and then as we grow up, I mean, I don't know, just if you can remember, think back to middle school for a minute. What happens in middle school is that these young people are beginning to um, not necessarily be shaped and formed by the adults in their lives, but by their peers. And so what you have in middle school oftentimes is a bunch of people who have no clue who they are or what they're doing, but they're, but they're all deciding who everybody else is around them, and it often makes for a really difficult, big mess. Most of us probably, if we were asked, would not go back to that section of our lives. And identity can be powerful. If a girl believes that she can't do something, can't become something, she probably won't. A boy, the same way. But when they have a chance for their identity to be uplifted and affirmed, what, whatever it is that they seem to be good at and, and, and all of that, then they can become those things. And then somewhere along middle age, our identity gets challenged again, I think. For many who follow a more traditional path, you know, you, you go to high school, you go to college, you get that first job. Maybe you go to graduate school. Maybe you go off in the military. You come back and, and, and then maybe you find someone and you get married and you have children. And then you know, some, somewhere between 35, 37 and 45, somewhere in there, you look in the mirror and you go, is this it? Is this what I signed up for? And maybe everything is going really great. But you just go, oh, what, who am I now? As I am getting closer to having fewer years ahead of me than I have behind me. So identity can be tricky. What's interesting in the scripture is, in this scripture especially, and in the, in the teachings about John the baptizer, is that John the baptizer is probably one of the most clear people in the scripture in terms of his identity. Who he is and what he is to be about. He realizes that he is not the Messiah. He knows that he has come to be the one to pave the way for the Messiah. That he's been given a gift of prophecy, that his call to to call people to a baptism of repentance is not the same as the baptism of the Spirit which, which the Messiah will bring. But it is a precursor to the Messiah coming in order to get people ready. And part of his message, if you remember, is basically, you know, just for people to do the right thing in some ways. If you have two cloaks, share one with somebody else. Don't skim off the top. Do your work. I mean, it's pretty basic stuff, but what he's saying, just like the other prophets in the scripture, is you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, people. Get right with God. Come and make a declaration in this water and then come out in a new way. 
So he knows who he is. His identity is bound up in being the one who points to Jesus. And so he does. He calls him Lamb of God, Son of God. John knows that when the Messiah comes, his disciples are supposed to stop following him and are supposed to start following the Messiah. Imagine how difficult that might have been if you were someone who had a large ego and needed people around you telling you how great you were. But John the baptizer seems to get it, like he understands his role and his identity in the scope of the story of God. And what a great gift that is. And it's also interesting, I want to do a little side note here, that he says that he's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Many people um, in Jewish history believed as they were waiting for the Messiah that the Messiah would come and would be a conquering hero, would come in, you know, and lead armies, would overthrow the Romans, would set everything right, rebuild it, you know, the temple worship would come back in full force and every, there would be this theocracy again of God. But that's not the way Jesus comes. He comes as a lamb. His identity is wrapped up in the sacrificial nature of what the worship of God had been. He comes as the one on whom the sins are laid. And in the tradition of the Jewish people of that time, that the blood would be shed so that all the people would know that they are forgiven. To us, it's sort of a foreign image. But it's a beautiful one. Because he didn't come as the Savior that everybody thought that they wanted. But he came as the one that we absolutely needed. His identity was not wrapped up in being a conquering Savior, but in being one who would give his life so that we would know life in its fullness. Yesterday, the city of Richmond installed a new mayor. And it was with great hope and great promise that this was done. He is the youngest. We made the, we made, we probably made the front page of some newspapers across the country because he's the youngest mayor Ever. And this is an exciting time for the city of Richmond. And I got to go to a prayer breakfast yesterday with many other faith leaders and, and, and leaders of uh, the governor and, and senators and such. And it was really interesting to be there just to hear again about the hope and the promise of new leadership. And I know um, from his story um, that part of his identity is as a public servant. He wants to serve the public. And now part of his identity, which has led him to run for mayor and now become mayor, will be tied up in being mayor. But I hope and I pray that his identity doesn't get wrapped up in being mayor. But that he can go back to the identity that each one of us can claim. Because we know it in Christ. That we first and foremost and always are children of God and heirs of the promise. That is the promise made to us before we are even born. It is the promise fulfilled in us when we, when we are baptized and we are grafted into this body of Christ that is the church on earth. My prayer for the new mayor is that 
he would always remember that each and every person, whether they're born and live on the north side or the south side, the east side, the west side, whether they're in the county, whether they're black or white or green, whether they're gay or lesbian, whatever was going on with them, Republican, Democrat, that they are all children of God, worthy of honor, worthy of goodness, worthy of grace. And I also thought yesterday, it is our tendency, isn't it, to put so much of our hopes in new leadership, in new people, in another person, that they might just be the one to get us where we need to go, to be our Savior. But here's the fact. There's only one Savior. There's only one Messiah. And he is the one who gave us our new identity because our identity is wrapped up and held in the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ. We have been empowered through our baptism with the Holy Spirit to be people who would work for God's kingdom and God's justice here on earth. That even when everything is going wrong in our lives, the one thing that we know, the one thing we can count on is our identity in Christ that we are a beloved child, we are an heir of the promise, and that no one and nothing can take that away. And the other beautiful part of that is that because we have that, that doesn't mean that we we need to build a fence around ourselves. It means that we can be open to what's going on in the world and we can look for where God's kingdom is at work and we can begin to work for that kingdom. We can look and see where there is injustice and begin to see how we might, with the Holy Spirit, begin to work for God's justice here on earth. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Let me say that again. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. That really ought to hit home for us. Because, you know, I might, because of my station in life or whatever, feel like I've got justice in my home. Or in my community, maybe. Or in our church. But I don't have to look very far to see that there is injustice. And that God is calling me as a child of God, an heir of the promise, to be someone who would speak and work, give and love in ways to serve God's purposes here on earth. But to also remember that ultimately it is not me, it is not you, it is not our movements, it is not our power that will bring about change. It is the power of God through the Holy Spirit that changes all of us. And that whatever station we are in life, young or old, rich or poor, influential or not. We are all children of God, heirs of the promise. That is our identity. And it is we who are the ones who are called to be the John the baptizers of the world, to understand that we are to be the one pointing to Christ in and through all things, working for the redemption of the world, working for this new life that we have been given that is offered to all.
And so may we, in this new year, be confirmed in our identity as beloved children of God, heirs of the promise. And may that embolden us to do whatever we can from wherever we are to right the wrongs of this world, to work for justice where there is injustice as God sees fit for us. May you be blessed, children of God, heirs of the covenant. Don't ever forget that is your identity. Amen.